Welcome to the WatchQuant Podcast, where we discuss watch markets backed by numbers. This podcast is here to help you make smarter decisions about your watch portfolio. And because we see your timepieces not just as accessories, but as crucial pieces of your investment portfolio, we believe that you should seriously consider your trades before you make them, before you buy or sell a watch. It's important to seriously look at the market and understand the macro and micro environment for those watches. So this isn't the Hodinkee podcast, although, hey, we love Hodinkee. It's great, but we're not going to wax poetic about the aesthetics of watches. Uh, instead, we'll dive deep into the watch markets, covering popular, surprisingly undervalued, overvalued, overpriced, and volatile watches, while we focus on the market specifics and trends that are underlying those price movements. Now join us as we explore the exciting world of the watch markets, uncovering their secrets and hopefully the opportunities that are at hand. Let's get into it. This week we had an interesting week in macro. So on this podcast, if you are just joining us for the first time, this is the Watch Markets Podcast. We're the only watch market podcast in the world. Everybody else is doing something about how cool the watches look or how great they feel on your wrist. And that's all great. We love watches. I, I love watches too. But it's very important because watches at the end of the day are assets. They're very expensive instruments. When you spend $40,000 on a car or $50,000 on a car or $100,000 on a house, you take it seriously, right? And oftentimes you have a broker helping you and you have all sorts of information about the markets around them. Watches yet, for some reason, similar cost, similar price, similar value, and yet nobody seems to really want to help. It's just, hey, go buy this like e-commerce. Well, that might still be the case in 10 years, but if we have anything to do with it, that won't be the case. But for now, what we'd really like to do is just get everybody out there to start understanding that watches actually have a real market underlying them. Something serious is going on here with watches, and they're more than just luxury items. So on this podcast, we're going to be discussing the macro environment in the economic system, as well as how that ties to watches and how we believe watches are reacting because of that and also perhaps what might come what might come from here and what's going on so we're going to break down today what happened over the last week and then we'll extrapolate a little bit from there we'll also be going over our watch of the week every week we come out with 10 to 20 watches all of which will be some something surprising will have happened big moves or multiple big trades um and it's always interesting to take a look at those kinds of watches to see kind of, you know, these are usually top end watches to see what's going on uh, kind of under the surface. And um, a lot of these trades are kind of insider trades. So we want to make sure that we're peeking under the covers to make sure that you are getting not the exact, uh, the exact specificity about what is happening in those markets, but that you can get a good understanding of what's coming, right? For, for at least for these specific watches. Now that said, I will say, I will just start off by saying this, we just got the, the data back for May. Now May was a really bad month for watches. Um, not price-wise, if you look at the charts, May on prices was so-so. Uh, you see a little bit of upside on some of the uh, some of the smaller companies, Panerai and IWC, Omega, and on some of the high-end watches, you see some drawdowns. But if you take a look at <clears throat> the liquidity, which is not a metric that anybody's really measuring, we are beginning to measure liquidity because 
As with every other market in the world, liquidity is the most important metric. It is indicative and the progenitor of all other metrics. Therefore, we are doing our best to figure out exactly how to measure liquidity. Right now, we are utilizing multiple sources to, to get to a liquidity metric. So we'll talk about liquidity today on all of our watches that we're going to cover. Okay. Now, let's also talk about the macro. Let's get into macro before we get into the actual watches. So this week was interesting, um, kind of in a bad way. We had a lot of weird kind of negative news. And yet, it also seems like everybody's bearish. And so before we get totally into the macro, it's important to note that when you see kind of bearish numbers, bearish news, bearish media, bearish people, every person, their mother says, oh, a recession's coming. Generally, that means the opposite. I'm a contrarian. I always bet against the, the crowd. Can't possibly help it. So I'm bullish on this on this current just right now, I just know I'm bullish. I'm, I'm long NASDAQ for AI's sake at least, um, but I'm, I'm basically just long period in general overall because I just don't believe that the group ever gets it right. In fact, I know that they don't because if they did, then the whole world would be completely different. The group doesn't get it right. They can't get it right. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm betting against the, the mob mentality of this is the biggest recession to ever come. It's going to happen soon, and it's an unstable market. I think that, um, that there's a lot there's a lot of instability in the market across the entire globe, and yet that that doesn't mean that um, that you know the United States or Europe, two of the best places in the world as far as the economy is concerned, um, are going to have a hard time because everything is relative uh, when it comes to economics. So. That being said, some crazy things did happen this week, so let's talk about that. So there was a flurry of activity last week, and uh, by the way, this will be coming out in our email fairly shortly hereafter. Um, so the Treasury Department is going through a bit of a cash squeeze. This was basically highlighted by the uh, the debt ceiling conversation. They did raise the debt ceiling, or they came to an agreement there. So that's going to be raised, and because of that, um, we're now suspecting that Janet Yellen will get her way. And while she did say that she had no plans to do a blanket, uh, a blanket kind of raising of the TGA, the, the, the Treasury General account, we suspect, or many people suspect, and um, based on her own comments, that she actually will ultimately put a trillion dollars of, of Treasuries, um, or print a trillion dollars of Treasuries in order to, or issue, I should say, not print, issue a trillion dollars of Treasuries in order to get that uh, that TGA filled up. So that is very likely to happen. And if that does happen, what is very likely then thereafter to happen, if you extrapolate it all out, is one of two things. A lot of people are speculating it's going to be the end of the world, biggest depression we've ever seen. I'm speculating it's going to increase liquidity in the markets and people are going to be overall more likely to lend, more likely to borrow, and more likely to be productive. So that's my personal opinion on that. They did raise the debt ceiling, and um, and that's pretty much that. So we will see what happens there, um, whether it is a blanket one trillion or whether it is a, a slow roll of many many billions per per month. We will see. Now, um, because of her comments last week about increasing the TGA, 
Uh, we did see, you know, the S&P rally, which is actually good news. I mean, to, to most people, some people are very short right now. So it's actually a lot of squeeze potential just simply because so many people are short and so bearish. Another reason why I'm very bullish right now. Um, however, we did see a really, really big drawdown in the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment survey. So they have a consumer sentiment survey they do, it seems, monthly, and it came in quite, quite low. Um, so it seems like we're going to have a very hard time reaching the consumer sentiment levels that we were at in February 2020 before the pandemic. So that was um, a very high consumer sentiment, and today we are 41% below that. All right. Uh, last thing to point out here is that we had a good jobs report. Uh, 339,000 jobs were created non-farm, and uh, the unemployment rate also rose. So a little bit paradoxical there. Um, that can happen in certain cases, of course, when there's being there's a shift of uh, you know different types of jobs. And so in this case, there's a sh perhaps a shift happening where out of uh, some some cyclical job market like unfortunately it sounds like to me the lower end tech jobs support and um, technical and, and, and um, other other types of phone support things like that are probably more and more being let go as AI is just becoming increasingly good every single day it's getting better and better uh, to the point where I don't even know if it's necessary to have a human on board in any support part of any any company at all at this point um, after you know maybe a, a few hundred hours of training scaled out with an open AI um, API. I don't think there's any need for support staff anymore. That's my personal, the way I personally see it. I, I used to be a support agent and I find it sad that nobody will be able to get their start in support anymore because there's just not going to be any room for that, for those costs. Um, but yeah, that's probably what's happening. We see a lot of people losing their jobs in those kinds of places, but then there's probably twice as many jobs being created in, you know, Hey, uh, construction, uh, plumbing, you know, HVAC. I mean, there's a ton of businesses that have been historically in the last 10 to 20 years underserved, under uh, understaffed. And now they're offering lots of money because they've been so understaffed, they need help and they need skills. And people are finally starting to get those skills and go after it. So uh, interesting to see that shift. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that over the coming 10 years. Um, and uh, you know I'm in tech obviously we do watch quant so and we, and we use AI so I don't know what's gonna happen overall I hope that AI doesn't just take over the world and ruin everything for us but <laughs> we will see we will see alright uh, lastly the commercial real estate sector is just continuing on in its absolute terrible depression like uh, behavior as everybody probably knows ever since COVID happened when they did the lockdowns they essentially destroyed the entire commercial real estate sector forever um, by essentially locking people down for a long enough period of time in some cases over a year maybe almost two years um, especially in like San Francisco where you know some of the most expensive buildings in the world and in New York City where some of the most expensive buildings in the world were packed full of people were empty for so long that um, people got so used to working at from home that nobody really needs to necessarily go in the office anymore. It was kind of proven out that, yeah, the productivity levels might be slightly different, but not so much so that it's worth buying a building for. Uh, so these buildings are seeing 80% uh, drawdowns as far as their valuations are concerned. And um, most of the time, these buildings are on like uh, shorter term debt. So five, five year uh, adjustable rate mortgages and things like that. 
And so um, as those roll over now since 2020, it's 2023 now, some of those are starting to roll over and you're going to see a lot of people giving up on the buildings and selling them for pennies on the dollar. And as that happens, it's going to just have, I think it's going to have a pretty distinct effect on more than just the commercial real estate market. But that's a huge, huge market in this country, in particular in those large, uh, in those large, uh, you know, city areas. So we will see some people have spoken about them retrofitting those buildings in order to become uh, residential, which certainly could work. Um, but I've also heard that it's maybe so expensive that it would just be worth worth liquidating the building, perhaps. So I don't know how that's going to all work out. I don't claim to know. We're here to talk about watches. So just uh, worth noting that um, really up and down last week, some really big, big good things and some not so good things happened last week. And what we saw over the last month in watches is that we saw tightening in liquidity. So sell through rates from some of the top models including you know some of the most liquid models um, that we've known as being very liquid over the past couple of years have not completely gone through the through the floor but um, seem to be less liquid but also seem to be holding less supply as well so in some cases we're seeing watches that are uh, lower demand and lower supply. So that's not really a liquidity shift necessarily. Rather, it seems like people are holding on to their watches. So I don't know if it's just reached the point where people really like to wear their watches and that's that, and that's great if they do. You wanna wear your watch, or maybe people are putting them in the safe and waiting it out. Um, that might also be a big big part of this. So people are putting watches in the safe. You would see a drawdown on the amount of listings out there, period. <clears throat> um, but um, I think because of something like that, we've also seen some companies lowering their consignment rates to try to uh, get, get these investors and these holders of watches to sell their watches with more attractive rates. So very interesting things that are happening there on, on the macro part of the watch market. Overall, liquidity has dropped, but also the uh, supply to demand ratio has evened out in many cases, even for some of the top watches uh, to the lower side of the overall uh, number so a good example I'll give you is the hype panda so this is the panda the panda Daytona one one five one one six five hundred everybody knows it. it's the Cerachrome Brezel stainless steel Daytona it's a beautiful watch right I call it the hype panda because it's just ridiculous how much hype it has um, but the fact of the matter is the, the price is still really high I mean I saw the price last week between 33 and thirty nine thousand dollars it's like higher 10 percent higher than it was a couple weeks ago and yet, there's only 25 on the market, which is, at first you might say, well, duh, of course the price is gonna go up when there's only 25 on the market. Except when you continue to look at the nuance, you also realize that the sell-through from the month before was down from like 200 units sold to 20. So it has 10% of the sell-through and almost the exact same amount of current supply on the market. So uh, we're not quite sure what this means yet. But it's worth noting that we are seeing a distinctly lower supply and in some cases also a very much lower demand and sometimes even less demand than the supply. So liquidity's, liquidity overall is going down slightly, if not more than that, and um, overall supply is also going down in some of the top models. Let's get into it then. Our top watches of the week. Let's, uh, let's start out with our not top watch of the week. We're gonna go through the other 10 and then we'll go through the top watch, okay? First, we're gonna start with our outperforming 
Avoid and warning. Okay, that's kind of a crazy one, right? This is an outperforming watch. Why is it outperforming? Well, let's talk about it. It's the Patek Philippe Aquanaut 5698G. This is a beautiful watch. Obviously, Aquanauts are pretty cool. This is the chronograph version. Um, it's just a badass watch. And, you know, I like the watch a lot. This week, we saw a pretty considerable drawdown. Like, maybe, I mean, this is one of the biggest drawdowns I've seen since we started doing this. 14.83%, and that's the average drawdown, meaning there were other transactions in this in this period um, that made it, that would have made it, it would have been more. The extreme drawdown, meaning the low to low, high to low, excuse me, was 132 to 99, which would have been a 25% move. But because we're only looking at the average move, we only saw 14.83% drawdown. So huge drawdown, 14, 15% drawdown. That breaks the bank for us. We're saying, hey, even though the price is still technically outperforming because it's well above MSRP, I think the MSRP on this price on this watch is, uh, I have to actually look, look at that real quick. The MSRP on this watch is something along the lines of $60,000, if I'm not mistaken. And so, of course, any chance of you getting this watch at retail is very, very slim to none. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, $73,000 MSRP. So it's still trading above MSRP by 30, 40, almost 50%, even at this price. Um, and yet, and so that's why it's outperforming and we can't avoid that. Just fact of the matter, it's gonna be rated outperform. But we have the avoid warning because it's seen such a falling knife uh, look to it over the, over the last week that it's just impossible to, to want to buy today. We need to see stabilization in a watch like this before we consider even going there. Okay, let's move on. Patek Philippe, by the way, has been seeing th these kinds of moves for about a month and a half now. We've been seeing drawdowns in all Patek Philippe's, and I do think that that's because Patek Philippe also saw the highest highs uh, during the big boom. So let's keep going now we're looking at the outperform uptrends there's two of them one of them is the the Pepsi so the one two six seven one zero BLRO up two point two eight percent this week and uh, also the other one is the Starbucks so the the one one two six six one zero LV both these watches are unfortunately trading at low liquidity this week so that just means that normally these watches relative to what they normally trade at Normally, you will see these watches sell through every single unit, um, and you'll see very low time on the market, and you'll see all sorts of uh, all sorts of indic indicators of a high liquidity watch. This month, we see a high supply, low demand, low sell through uh, relative to the history, and more. So this just we have them rated one star liquidity, which is crazy. Um, but it's important to add more nuances and as much nuance as we can possibly get. So we have a outperforming uptrend, which is indicative of potentially, you know, bullish signal. But at a one-star liquidity, it's dangerous potentially to do anything but maybe wait. Uh, so what we also have um, this week, which is probably new for some of you, is we have a new indicator called buyer's market, seller's market. This is a very simple metric that anybody could come up with on their own by simply counting, hey, is this the type of market where there are more pieces of supply on the market or are there more pieces of demand? In other words, um, you know, like if there was a 500 units sold last week 
and uh, there are currently 800 units on the market, that's a buyer's market uh, because there's a lot more supply than there was demand last week. Now something could change this week and that could end up turning out, turning out to be wrong, but generally that's the best way to, to figure that out. Uh, same thing with real estate, right? It's buyer's market when there's a ton of a ton of inventory and um, not that many, not a uh, ton of inventory and not that many buyers. So buyers have their pick of the litter, and there's a bit of downward pressure on the price. Now, because this is not a buyer's or seller's market in the Pepsi, we see it at an even market. So it's about a one to one, but we do see a low liquidity, outperforming uptrend. I think overall, to me. The, if we if we could weight all that out one 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 you know give one point to everything and average it it would be at like a two point five. It's still probably a little bit dangerous to go ahead and like, I wouldn't really go deeper on that. But hey, you know it's certainly a, an amazing watch. I don't I don't think there's a huge amount of risk in it because of the outperforming uptrend. Um, but at the same time, it is definitely not liquid right now and I'm not sure what that means for this watch because it's been liquid for a long time same thing now with the Starbucks e-liquid but also up considerably more we see a 5% uptick this week um, outperforming uptrend 5% uptick okay it's in a seller's market which basically means that there's pressure to the upside on price uh, rather than pressure to the downside meaning there is actually less supply than there was uh, demand recently and so in this case, I'd be more willing to buy a Starbucks than I would be willing to buy a, uh, a Pepsi at this point, simply because I like to be, you know, uh, I'm sorry. So simply because I like to be buying watches when I know that there's pressure to the upside on price, um, even if it is a little bit higher, buyer's markets um, generally you see uh, if you see a continuation of a buyer's market, you'll see a continuation potentially of the lowering of the price. So that's basically where we are there. So this is a low liquidity watch right now, but that's only relative to the last 12 months. So it's possible that this liquidity could bounce back. It's also possible that this is a new level of liquidity, but if it's a seller's market, that means that, um, you know, there's just not that much supply in the market. And so people have pricing power and they will likely raise the prices as time goes on. So we did see a top mover extreme change of 18%, but overall we see the average move of just 5% up. So I think it's definitely reasonable to, to consider a purchase here at around the 15.5 level, um, which is probably where is fair, that's also where we have it at fair market value. So um, certainly big fan of this watch this week in particular. All right, up next we have our Vacheron Constantine Moon Phase uh, Pink Gold. So it's a cool watch. It's completely liquid. This watch has sold almost no units over the last year, and um, you rarely see it, but it's gorgeous, and it's one of my favorite looking watches. However, I will say, because of Boucheret, I think is the name of the company, um, they came out with these solid gold watches that look just like this watch like a couple of different iterations of it. And ever since then, I've seen these watches just get crushed. Anyway, this is currently undervalued. So that's, that's usually a good metric for us on a downtrend, not such a good metric, but one star liquidity and down 10% last week. So that's almost, that's almost far enough to, to say warning avoid because that's a huge move to the downside. So we saw a big move to the downside. We started the period at 29. We ended the period at 
uh, 26.6. So pretty huge downside move there. Um, and because it's not a gold bracelet, it has about $5,000 of intrinsic. So it's not hugely intrinsically valued for the price even still at 26, but realistically, you know, I would, I would certainly wait to see on this watch before I was gonna do anything. Um, I like the watch, it's beautiful. I would love to have one, I really would. I don't have a Moonphase watch in my life. I'd love to have a Moonphase watch, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, seeing watch go down this much, seeing it at this low of liquidity, I know that I would never be able to flip this watch. Um, and that's kind of proven out by the action we saw this week. And by the way, you don't see action on this watch every week. This is a watch that sells like 10 times a year. So it's literally like once a month or less. And this week we saw one sell that I can tell um, that I could find and it sold for almost $10,000 less than the average market price. So seriously, um, serious down draw there. And it's important to keep note of that. This is a watch I personally would love to have and yet I'm definitely staying away from. All right. Now we have the Cartier Santos uh, Yellow Gold, beautiful watch. Um, if you're into that style and it's undervalued on an uptrend. So that's definitely an interesting and cool um, thing to st think to see for a Cartier. Um, so let's take a look. It's up 3% this week, 3.28%. It is also marked as illiquid and that's simply because the whole market this week, I'm telling you, the whole market this week and over the last month has just gone down and down and down on liquidity. So you're gonna see a lot of illiquid watches. Um, especially the less, you know, these, these watches that are just not highly traded, Cartier, Santos, um, yellow golds are just not the most highly traded watches. Uh, what we did see was a prior period start of 20K and it went up to 21. So basically a 10% uptick um, with a $22,500 top end price. And um, important to note that it is in a buyer's market as well, which means that there is gonna be you know, quite a bit more supply on the market um, and, and your buyers will have their pick of the litter. It also could mean that there will be, you know, overall downward, downward pressure. You know, it's like the more you have on the market, the fewer buyers there are, you know, maybe you're going to see much lower prices very soon. But overall, I like to see, you know, an uptrend. I like to see um, I like to see it being undervalued because it's it's pretty close to MSRP, if not below MSRP at this point. Actually, it's below MSRP at this point. Solid gold watch with a solid gold bracelet. Um, definitely nothing wrong with this watch. And personally, if I'm seeing this watch at under 20K, which is very close to where we are today, today's market price, 20,210, I'm probably gonna be going after something like this because it's a gorgeous watch. If I can find it you know, in the box with the papers and all that good stuff, I think that's probably that's probably something I would do okay so uh, liquidity aside <clears throat> even though it would take me a while to move this watch and soon we will have liquidity percentages which will be indicative of how what's the percentage chance of you selling a watch within 30 days at the fair market value that's what it's going to mean we're not quite there yet but right now we have a, a rating just based on the basics um, of what we've been talking about okay let's keep talking um, we have the again this is on our chart from last week it was actually our watch to watch last, last week's the John Mayer uh, the 116508 why did it go on the chart again because it has continued to downtrend that 
kind of didn't expect to be honest I thought it was going to bounce around 80 it went all the way down to 78.6 this week so we have another drawdown of let's see a four four percent this week so four percent drawdown not the hugest drawdown in the world but it is still outperforming it's considerably above MSRP it's well valued on the intrinsic it's a really really heavy watch for a Daytona and well I mean all gold Daytonas are heavy watches but um, it's not on a strap or anything it is a seller's market and it is slightly liquid so this is quite a bit more liquid than the last watches we were looking at and uh, certainly always worth a look but I think at 78,000 we're getting to the point where mm, with the hype on this watch which continues to outperform it's probably going to be okay around this level for me if I had one come to me right now I and I had liquidity in my hand I probably would pick it up if it were in great shape and like perfect shape definitely gonna go for one at this point 78.5 hell yeah okay so that's the John Mayer that's just personally my personal opinion um, okay the next one this is where we see some liquidity actually tick up the uh, the 326235 Rolex Sky Dweller um, with the chocolate dial chocolate chocolate sky it's a beautiful watch it's just slightly down from last week at 0.84 percent it's out of market perform on a slight downtrend with good liquidity and uh, ultimately I think this is maybe one of the best prices pre best priced and situated watches we have in in the whole market this week while it is not our watch to watch this week I'd say that this is definitely a second to our watch to watch because of just the, how good of a situation it's in it's also in a buyer's market uh, which again just simply means that there is a good amount of selling going on available for buyers to choose and pick from so generally I think that this is probably a watch you could you could wait a little bit to see where you're gonna get your best price or make some offers as people see multiple on on the market at one time but because this watch is liquid those pieces will move so you know unlike a illiquid watch where there's five on the market and normally there's not five in the market well you might you might have all the time in the world to, to wait that out and get the best price in this case this is a three-star liquidity which means it probably will sell through pretty quickly uh, at least 60% of the time within 30 days so or, or, or so uh, so this one's probably gonna sell fa fairly fast it's a cool watch it's on the strap and in fact I think people like this watch a lot better when it is on the strap the chocolate dial just makes it badass um, very cool watch and in my opinion at, the, at all of these ratings put together it's just uh, it's just a great deal it's a great deal at that price um, okay the next one is our rose gold Rolex date 8 2 uh, the 218235 it's really pretty another chocolate dial uh, just a beautiful watch I really like the rose gold chocolate dials from Rolex uh, this is currently in a buyer's market. It's rated market perform on a downtrend because it did go down considerably from last week. So we saw a low price this week of 36500 Now given, this watch has been around for a while. So there's numerous, um, there's like seven years or eight years of history on this watch now. 41 millimeters. And, you know, it happens. But, um, but that's considerably lower price than you would have expected to see. For this particular watch which normally sells at around the 43 to 44 to 45 level um, our market price is 47 and we're seeing it go all the way down to 36 this week so 
that was the low price. We averaged it out to, uh, to 44. So now it's been knocked down to 44 with an intrinsic value of around $7,500 in a buyer's market. So certainly possibly you could pick it up. If you could pick it up for 36.5, it may not be the worst idea, but remember that big downswings like that, even at market perform prices, it could move down to undervalued pretty quickly. Uh, and so you may this may not be the end of the downside move and because it's not super liquid at this moment, maybe maybe time to wait on this one. All right. Patek Philippe 5991A. Okay, so this is a steel watch, beautiful steel watch. It's one of the more complicated uh, Nautilus watches. And it is outperforming on a downtrend like most of the Patek Philippe's because they're all above MSRP by a lot. They all have hype, meaning there's lots and lots of people searching for them, asking about them, talking about them on YouTube. Uh, we measure all of these things to make sure that we understand how people feel about this watch and overall what the market says about this watch. This watch in particular is well hyped as, as are some of the other watches we talked about today. It's an even market, so it's about one to one on the supply demand side. But we did see massive drawdown this week. We saw a, a let's see, 10% uh, average move to the downside. So that's huge. I mean, 10% drawdown in one week is pretty bad. Um, we saw it go from one, 151 down to 110 in the in the worst trade of the week, but on average down to 137. So 137,000 is probably a really good price for this watch when we've seen this watch trading over 200 um, not more than six or eight months ago now it's down at 137 in our book I don't know if this means that it's a buy I'm not saying that uh, I certainly wouldn't buy a stainless steel watch at anything more than like I don't know I'm not gonna say what I'm not gonna say but this I mean I know how cool this watch is I'm just not I'm not that guy I'm not that guy I would rather buy a gold watch than a steel watch I don't it doesn't make any sense to me but I know it makes sense to a lot of other people so as far as that's concerned is this watch a buy not for me is this watch a buy in general according to our metrics not today it's way too dangerous way too big of a move to the downside and just have to be careful and wait for some, some stability in Patek Philippe because we've been seeing drawdowns like this every week for the last month and a half. Okay, and finally, we have our last piece, which is on a market perform uptrend um, rating. So market perform means that it's doing well. It's around MSRP, just, just above MSRP. Uptrend, obviously, it just means that it's uh, gone up this week. And it is an even, an even market, so one-to-one -one on demand and supply meaning it's selling through quite well. It has reasonable liquidity, okay? And we are seeing a total 5% up move on the week. That's really good to see for AP. However, I will say that the pricing itself, um, a, we're seeing a $54,000 price, um, pretty low for the brick. Um, I'm sorry, $60,000 price. $60,000 price, pretty low for the brick. I think we've seen bricks trading at 70, 75. But in the in the wholesaler markets, you do see these things go for fifty to sixty thousand dollars often. So, um, I think it's with I think it's in line for the bid side for the the lower side. Um, and as a wholesaler, you know you might you might pick one of these guys up for this price, and it might be a great deal. Uh, if you're in retail, you know you're on the retail side. You just like to buy watches. Or, you know you're not a trader. Then getting this watch for sixty k would be 
just a genius idea because bricks do not, it's an offshore brick, but uh, bricks do not generally come up this cheap this often. It's on an uptrend as well and it's a market perform. So I see this personally, even though it's kind of illiquid, um, as a something I, I would certainly consider buying at this price, 60 or even lower, uh, 60 and lower, of course. Um, and then finally, our watch of the week. It's the Omega Speedmaster Moonwatch Moonshine Gold with the green dial. So what is it with green dials, right? I don't know. The market loves green dials. I like green dials too. It's, it's very cool. This one in particular is a very interesting, cool matte green dial. Um, if you've ever seen the watch, you would, I think, also appreciate it in real life in particular. It has an interesting moonshine gold to it, which I'm not a huge fan of. I know that it's a different uh, breakdown, you know, alloy. But um, but anyway, so this watch we chose as the watch of the week. Why? Because it has five-star liquidity, which is rare, as you've seen. This month in particular, we've seen most watches, at least that we've covered here, almost all of them were one-star liquidity. A couple we had at two and three-star. This one, five-star liquidity, the only one. That's why it is our watch of the week. So it's on an underperform rating, which means it's well below MSRP. It also means that it is not quite hyped. There's not a lot of talk about it and not a lot of um, searches and there's not a lot of huge sentiment, positive sentiment for it. And it's on a slight downtrend, which generally doesn't mean anything. Slight downtrend, slight uptrend doesn't really mean anything. But I can say that seeing this watch down at 28,600 makes me feel like this solid gold watch at 28,600 is probably a good deal. If you've seen the movement on this watch, the way it looks with the exhi exhibition case back, I mean, it's just epic. Um, personally, I'm a buyer at this point. That's me. Um, but yeah, I just don't see it gonna, I don't see it lasting very long at the 28.6 level, especially when it's high liquidity. These things don't come up often, but when they come up, they sell through. So, because for, for obvious reasons, if you were to see it, you would know. So um, that's it. Come check out our, our learn tab on watchquant.com. Just, you don't even have to sign up if you don't want to. Just click on the learn tab. You can come watch and read everything that we talked about here. We also have a couple of charts and a couple of collections here pointing out some of the other top performers in the gold sector, the two tones, the non-pressures in the platinum sector. And so that'll give you a good idea of what's going on overall with WatchQuan and how we rate things. So I hope that that's been helpful for you. And I hope that the macro stuff in the beginning wasn't, uh, wasn't overwhelming or silly or whatever. If you are into watch markets, then you'll probably also be into understanding how this stuff affects the watch market. So last thing I just want to cover here is the tie together of how this all affects the watch market. I think what we're seeing right now is a bit of capitulation. Capitulation means that there's a lot of, whereas whereas two, two to three weeks ago, we were seeing a lot of fear and that fear was driving people actually into gold watches and out of steel watches. This week and maybe the last week as well, we're starting to see stabilization in all the watches and then this week we started to see a drawdown, right? So I think when you have just, nobody's really sure what exactly to expect. So many people are bearish on the stock market. People have no idea what's going on with bonds. And overall, the world thinks that the world is kind of ending. Some people are bullish like me. 
Um, I think people don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so watches are starting to take a little bit of a normal backseat along with everything else that's kind of waiting it out. So that's my personal opinion. The capitulation we're seeing in the entire market overall with a lot of conflicting data is um, nothing's, nothing's absolutely clear. And I think that we're just going to see that for a little while until there's more clear direction in one way or the other um, on the overall macro. But of course, overall macro means nothing. There's a lot of nuance here and we will be here next week to cover all of the nuance and dig into as much as you as much as we should um, if there's anything we've missed if you think that there's some something we're totally uh, totally leaving out or if you there's something that you love and you want us to do more of comment on uh, comment on our podcast or reach out to us come to watchquant.com we have a contact form and a survey as well all over the place so uh, it's just in the top right and once you log in so log in enjoy it we have um, a ton of new features available for anybody who signs up if you go into you can look up by the way any watch you want we have a calculator that gives you your probability of a break even if you were to buy a watch at a certain price so let's say you're buying a gmt2 pepsi and you buy it at msrp you have a 99.99 percent chance of flipping that watch in 30 days at a profit and a 99.995% chance if you were to flip it um, with a profit goal of a bit higher than break even. So let's see. Anyway, this calculator is pretty cool. And then if you were to increase that price, let's say you were to buy it at, um, I don't know, 16,200, then you would have a 96% chance of breaking even and a 42.43% um, chance of making your 15% profit. So basically the calculator is pretty cool. It also allows you to enter your own profit goal instead of just taking our 15%. If you want to say make 10% instead, or if you want to see and check if you wanted to make uh, you know 30%, what would the probability be? And these probabilities are based on real numbers are based on how probability of profit is, is actually, you know, if you were to look it up, you could find it for yourself. There are, there are uh, numerous expected values sort of, uh, of the equations out there that will help you understand that yourself or you could just come here and utilize our tools um, and that would be hopefully useful for you so that's available for you and then we also of course have our fair market value according to your specification available so if you want to see what is it what is a watch worth when it's brand new in box versus you know just kind of the regular old uh, or what is a watch worth when it's uh, naked you know or excellent condition, naked, no box, no papers. Okay, well, then in this case, the, the, the Pepsi is worth 16,700, but if it's brand new in box, then it's gonna be worth uh, 19,311. Have you ever seen any tools like that on any other websites? No, because we're the only ones. So come join us, enjoy the utility we're providing you, and reach back and let us know what you think. We'd love to help out, we'd love to do more, we wanna hear from the community and uh, we want to offer as much value as possible. So thank you so much for joining us, and I really hope that uh, everybody has an amazing week. Y'all, trade safe now. <laughs>